The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. These stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Hello and welcome to the 51st gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 12th of June. I am your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure you have enough room on the table to turn your TIE Fighter uh, while you are gathered at the meeting table. Make sure to barrel roll your TIE yeah, Fighter. You should do a barrel roll. Barrel roll your TIE Fighter. Because that's an X-Wing minis thing. Well... Uh, and it is, and I've also played a game where somebody didn't calculate their turns and oh. forced their craft off the table and ah, out of play. Yes. So that's for you, Jerry. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, speaking of X-Wing minis, our guest this evening is Ryan Krippendorf, and Ryan is a master pilot in X-Wing and and is also a miniature game enthusiast and we will be talking to him a bit about the X-Wing minis game as well as how to build and maintain a solid community around a game. Welcome to the show Ryan. Hi, thank you for having me. Good to have you. Also with us is Glenn Bittner. He is the second in command here. He is a movie reviewer uh, with his YouTube show The B-Movie Bunker and the creator of the RPG Mistrunner. How are you doing this evening? I'm feeling pretty good. I played a lot of games today at my game day at the store, so seven games in seven hours, I'm not going to complain. And they were all fun, even even though I got completely dominated in Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space. <laughs> but that's okay. And, and when Glenn says my game, uh, Glenn does a, is it weekly? Uh this one is a month. I do one Sunday a month at the store specifically with me. I do other events all the time, but this one's guaranteed every month. Okay. And it's called Games with Glenn. So, yes, it is his event. It's named after him. So, take that. Sometimes it's games adjacent to Glenn or games in the same room as Glenn. Depends how many people show up because you can't all play <laughs> with me. Games around Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> games rumored to be done by Glenn. Sure. I'm yeah. picking up what you're putting down. As always, we are going to roundtable our game review, the game news, uh, our Kickstarter spotlight, and uh, we're going to chit-chat a lot more with Ryan. So, Glenn, you are up with a game I had never heard of before, but it looks pretty cool. This Uh, one is a lot of fun. So, this one is called Above and Below. It is designed by Ryan Lauckett by pronouncing his name right, who also is the artist for the game. He's done a few other ones. He's done 8-Man Empire, Empires of the Void. He has a new one coming out uh, later this year called Islebound, which is a kind of sequel but not sequel to Above and Below. Um, it has some parts, a little, little similar in play, but also parts that can be used in Above and Below. So I love when people have games that can play by themselves and also be used in other things. So... It's from Red Raven Games. It is two to four players. It goes about 60 to 90 minutes and retails for $50. Nice. So the basic story is uh, your last village was ransacked by barbarians, and you basically have been forced to flee from the pillaging, and you have come to a new spot to make a new home. However, you have discovered that underneath your home is a vast network of caverns, thus giving you your above, where you're building your village, and below, the caverns that you get to explore. The caverns are full of resources and different adventures you can go on. So each turn, you're going to have different people that you can that you can assign to do things. You have people who can build things for you. You have people who are like scribes who can train new people to come join you. 
You can send people off on adventures into the caverns below. Every time people do things, you have to basically exhaust them. They get tired, and you need beds to have them recuperate, because that's what happens when people get tired. If you don't have beds, they stay tired. Oh. Um, if you exhaust them too much, they can become injured. And then they have to not only become uninjured, they then have to rest, and then you can have them back. So it's it's balancing your, your people is, is a key element to this game. But one of the best things I love about this game is, I mean, you've got you, it's, it's a little bit worker kind of worker placement and, and resource management, but then it throws in the adventure aspect because you can put your, some of your people will go off in adventures and you decide how many people you want to send. They have these key things called lanterns, which is basically uh, the more lanterns you have, the better you do uh, or can do when you are exploring below. And you go off, you do your little adventure thing, and there's a little booklet, actually not little, it's a huge book, that has tons of little encounters that you're going to come across in the caverns below. And someone's going to read to you, you know, you run into some old man who uh, needs someone to fix his walking stick, or you find this, uh, there's like blood all over this cavern with a big sign on the end of the hall, the hallway ahead that says, keep out, turn back, and you have to make decisions on what you want to do. And depending on what you do and whether you succeed, you can get rewards or possibly bad things can happen. It's really cool, and the artwork is really, really nifty. It's a hard game to really explain how everything works without actually having it in front of you because there's a lot of different things going on as far as what you can do. The game turns are cool in that if I'm the start player, I have a list of different actions I can do. As I said, you can explore, you can build, uh, you can just have people uh, basically work to earn money. So you're gonna, I'm going to pick an action, I'm going to do it. Going to pass to them, you know, to you, Brad. And then you'll take an action and you'll do it. Then Ryan will do an action. It comes back to me, and we keep you keep going until you decide to pass. And if you pass, other players can still take keep taking actions as long as they have actions to take. So that's where the the whole balancing your people really comes in. Because if you blow everything right away, everyone else is going to keep doing stuff. Because while you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, they're going to be building more buildings, exploring more caverns, and just getting more points than you. So it really takes a bit. The first time through is a little clunky because you're trying to figure out how everything really works and, and how to best optimize. Like, oh, I've got seven guys. This is great. And then you use them all and realize, I only have three beds. So wow. yeah. four of these guys are staying exhausted. So it's, it's you have to be able to balance that. You know? And that's part of the thing where the building comes in is you get different buildings you can build that might add more beds. Or you have magic potions. Magic potions can not only cure injury, but also say, hey, you're tired, drink this. It's like, you know, Mountain Dew Kickstart in magic form. So <laughs> so I, I like all the different things you can do with it. And, and as I said, too, the artwork is really cool. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I think the artwork's a big draw for that game. Yeah, uh, and that's what I love with, with the, the one I mentioned, Islebound is the exact same art style, too. Yeah, and really the, cool. the people in, in Islebound are completely usable in this game. Oh wow! Which is really, which is really nifty. The, basically, they have a, a their skills are different in Islebound, but he printed on the backside of the people basically stats for use in above and below. So you get all these brand new people for above and below, which is great. So yeah, it's it's got it's because I like it because it's got this kind of meaty, chunky Euro style game where you know you're you're managing your people, you're getting your resources, your town building. I love town building ever since I played SimCity, the original one, <laughs> sure. many, many years ago and learned the cheat codes. You can do all sorts of cool stuff till Godzilla destroyed my city. Um, <laughs> and it's got storytelling because if you're like me, you don't you when you're telling when someone goes on an adventure and they come across some person, I go into the voices, I do all that kind of stuff. I, I get into character with it and I like telling that story as well. So it, it's this mishmash of both Euro game and kind of almost a bit like a role-playing game. So. Sure, cool. I, you know, I kind of, I dig games where you get like a booklet which gives you scenarios and different random things that can happen. I, I keep thinking about uh, Arabian Nights. Yeah. Of course, Arabian Nights comes with a tome, um, nowhere <laughs> very incredibly much thicker than what you get with Above and Below, but Regardless, it looks pretty pretty damn cool. Yeah. You said it uh, retails for about 50. 50. Yep. And it's about, 
an, uh, 60 to 90 minutes to play. Yes. Okay. And uh, there's a really good how-to-play video out there as well, done by Rodney from Watch It Played. So if, if, you, if you want a, li- a little better idea of how to play the game, always check out Rodney, always check out Watch It Played, because those videos are fantastic for how-tos. You don't even need to crack a rule book if you watch his videos. Okay. Very cool, because uh, we were going to play Small World yesterday, and we jumped onto the YouTubes to, to find a good how-to video and uh, stumbled across the uh, Will Wheaton's tabletop. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, they played Small World. So. As long as it wasn't last season, you should be okay, because <laughs> there were a lot of mistakes on last season. Oh, no. That's why one of the former producers is no longer a producer. <laughs> oh, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Yikes. Not cool. Okay. On that note, I'm sorry. Before we move on, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi. <laughs> We're just uh, learning a bit about you. Uh, board gamer? Yes or no? Yeah, any kind of game. I like all kinds of different games. Board games, card games, miniature games, tabletop games, video games. I'll play it. If it's got a end result, I'll play it. Okay, cool. Um, but I, that game looked phenomenal, and I really like the art. I'm a little jealous I don't have a glorious mustache to accompany it like <laughs> everyone in artwork. <laughs> well, you could get a paste on one and something just save some time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of maintenance that goes into facial hair and ugh. grooming, a lot of little scissors. <laughs> so uh, we've seen Glenn's uh, game closet in the past here on the show. Do you have a huge collection of games yourself? I have a I have a respectable collection of games. Um, we have a lot of Ticket to Ride. Um, okay. And yeah. Of- don't play his lady in Ticket to Ride. Yeah, don't She'll play Aaron in Ticket to Ride. She will own you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I put up 164 points. I put up 218. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds like she dispenses a sound ass whooping when she plays. I'm buying her a conductor's hat for her birthday. <laughs> there were a lot of people who learned that lesson at Gen Con last year. <laughs> yeah, she took she took second place at the the big one, not the puffing Billy, but the actual asthma day one. Oh wow! Yeah, so we have like we have a trophy that's sitting downstairs. That trophy gets to go downstairs in the living room, but all my X wing stuff is upstairs. <laughs> I love. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good. Well, that that is incredibly cool. I, wow, second place. Yeah, she was pretty happy. I should um, I'll send Glenn some of those pictures, and you can. It was ridiculous. Like I couldn't believe. Like I mean, the amount of talent and the people that were playing in that tournament and playing Ticket to Ride was phenomenal. And she just, just kept going, just kept <laughs> chugging along like Thomas the Train Engine. It was great. <laughs> and that game, and it's probably why I don't play them so much, is because it takes. A lot of concentration and a lot of uh, forethought and planning, yeah. and uh, those are things that in a game I'm absolutely terrible at. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, and and usually there's a considerable amount of time that you put into a Rails game, typically. Absolutely. absolutely. So, again, my limited attention span. Uh, does not work well with rail games. And I don't know what that says about me as a person, but there it is. Well, that is that is the if you're gonna play one, that's that's the better one because it does not take forever. Multiple, it it can take a little longer, but generally an hour. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to like Empire Builder, where yeah, how's your Thursday look? Yeah. I... <laughs> It's like trying to play the Game of Thrones board game. That's awful. Can't play that game. That ends friendships. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, I wake up screaming at night, <laughs> dreaming about that game. I'm sorry. I just don't talk to my friends for months after we play. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of backstabbery and all that that goes on in the background. And but... it, 
it's also brilliant too when you play the game. This was years ago at one of our gatherings, and I think I think only book three had come out, and everyone else playing had all read the books, and I hadn't. Re- I knew nothing about Game I, of Thrones. Me neither. Me and neither. We're playing the game, and everyone else who's playing is if they're the Lannisters, oh, they pay their debts, and everyone's acting like their houses. And I was the Starks. And Super all of a sudden, we're getting, beer, we're getting close to the end of the game. I just started attacking everybody. And they're like, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm like, uh, you have no one guarding this area. I'm conquering it. Well, Ned wouldn't do that. I'm like, I've told you like four times in this game, I have no idea who Ned is. All I know is he's a guy on this card. That's all I know. <laughs> And I won because they they were so into their characters that they were they would forego doing things because like you know well, but we wouldn't you know the character wouldn't the characters wouldn't do this and I'm like oh, whatever whatever <laughs> I'll, I'll attack the Tullys probably, sure could have been like that's probably why they're dead <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com slash support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com slash support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. Speaking of death and horror, um, yes. we're going to talk about – this is awesome. I've been keeping my eye on this uh, since some of the first stills were released, and it was one of those things where I think we've heard rumors and things of, of other games like this that were supposed to come out never really fully – came to be, but this is looks like it's going to happen, and uh, it's pretty exciting. It's the new Call of Cthulhu trailer that uh, debuted um, at the E3. Actually, uh, just ahead of uh, E3, uh, to give people a, a taste of, of what's to come here. So we're going to talk about this. Uh, this story comes to us from GameSpot.com. Creepy new Call of Cthulhu trailer shows off the Xbox One, PS4, PC horror RPG. Uh, Focus Home Interactive has released a new trailer for Call of Cthulhu ahead of E3, offering a tease of the new horror game based on H.P. Lovecraft's short story of the same name. More specifically, Call of Cthulhu is the video game uh, adaptation of Chaosium's pen and paper pencil and paper, I would think, RPG. Uh, It's being developed by French studio Cyanide Studio, which previously worked on Blood Bowl, Styx, Master of Shadows, and the Game of Thrones RPG. A press release describes Call of Cthulhu as an RPG investigation game. It puts you in the shoes of a private investigator, Edward Pierce, in 1920s-era Boston as he investigates the death of a woman and her family. As you make your way through the game and get closer to Cthulhu's sphere of influence, madness will progressively engulf your senses, leaving you uh, to increasingly question what is real and what is illusory. I sounds like my classroom. <laughs> and uh, you are an art teacher at which school again? Uh, Central City Cyber School in Milwaukee. Nice. Now, there was a GameCube game, and uh, Eternal Darkness, which, uh, Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem, which, while not, while not HP Lovecraft, it was very inspired by it. And one of the cool things about the game is that as your character tips slowly more towards insanity, the camera angle sort of tilts to one side uh, just just a little bit. And occasionally you'll see flies come on the screen. And it literally, the, the, the artwork was done so well on this, it really looked like there were flies on the screen and you kind of you wave at the screen and it's a part of the game. It, it's called. It's making you hallucinate, essentially. 
uh, for all intents and purposes in in the aspect of the game. And it just, uh, it was so awesome. And uh, former guest uh, Rob Benton had that, and I, I would come over and we'd have a beer and I'd watch him play because the, the story and, and everything that was going on with it, that game was really cool. So it's nice to see that uh, we're actually going to get a Call of Cthulhu a legit version based on Chaosium stuff. And PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And mm-hmm. yeah, if, if you get a chance, and we're going to have the link in the show notes, if you get the chance, you need to check out or just go onto Google and look for Call of Cthulhu trailer and, and watch it. It's It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I saw that. So happy because we had just in one of my other podcasts we had just covered. Uh, it was an old HBO oh, movie called uh, Cast, Cast a Deadly, Deadly Spell, Spell. Yep. which is Lovecraftian. And then, like the very next day, here's this trailer for the game. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I want. That's what I, I want. I really want to have enough yeah, games yeah. to take up all my time and make yep. me not do other things. Look at you, Fallout Four. <laughs> <laughs> Fallout 4 has just been <sighs> I swear my girlfriend's going to leave me <laughs> got to get my shit together on that anyway uh, I won I won the game why am I still playing I, yeah. there will always be raiders to kill because apparently there's just so many raiders in the... why does anyone live here it's all raiders raiders and servants everywhere all yep. the time yeah, yeah. I've been putting off following a certain storyline because I've just kind of been enjoying building stuff, and now I'm like, ah, I kind of want direction again, and so I'm moving towards the end of game, as it were, on Fallout 4. But enough of Fallout 4. <laughs> uh, would uh, would both of you play this? Uh, I, I mean, Glenn, it's a given, but uh, how about you, Ryan? I'd probably give it a spin. Yeah, I'd give it a go. Are you uh, a Lovecraft fan or just interested in doing a, a kind of a period uh, horror RPG? Both. Okay. Um, <laughs> I like. I've played some Call of Cthulhu. I I really like Elder Sign. Okay. Um, by Fantasy Flight Games. Sure. So, if it if it gives me that feel that you know 1920s everything's gonna go wrong that can possibly go wrong and something's gonna show up and devour me. Yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> What I'm going to do is going to do something for our YouTube viewers here, and I am going to pull up. There we go. I'm going to do a screen share here so people can kind of get a feel of what we're talking about. This is an actual still from the game, and yeah, our investigator here is coming in on the dock and heading towards uh, Darkwater which is the name of this particular area that he's exploring uh, and trying to find the answers to this uh, this mystery. And the this kind of reminds me a bit of some of the look on Fallout 4 with, uh, yeah. at least on PS4, I can speak to that. I haven't, uh, haven't played it on uh, PC or Xbox One, but because it was only available for the next generation systems. I'm assuming that there is a colossal amount of graphics uh, and graphics processing that has to be done. So you're going to see beautiful stuff like this, and this does not disappoint. It's in that same same caliber of uh, of crispness and uh, and and just gorgeousness. Um, <clears throat> and looking at the water here, <clears throat> if it's anything like how they handled water in in Fallout 4, it's going to be amazing. See, and you haven't played Far Harbor yet. No, I have not. This is it. it, it Look, it could easily be a still shot from Far Harbor. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm afraid to get the the uh, mechanist and uh, Far Harbor. <laughs> I may. I may wait a few months before I. The building aspect of mechanist would you would probably suck up most a lot of time. The actual playthrough of the actual story is only a couple hours. Yeah, I heard that that's incredibly short, but what you get out of that for the for the mechanist to be able to build like century robots for your settlements and whatnot. 
yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, it's basically they said, Let's, it'd be cool if you could build robots. Let's throw a short story in with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and Far Harbor is uh, uh, no different in that respect in that you can build barns and um, some other things too um, that you get out of the deal. Yes, for the lazy builder like me who's just like, I need I need 12 beds quick. Where can I put them where they're indoors? A barn. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Give me a pre-built barn. Boom, done. Why do you yeah, stop standing around like idiots the whole time? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really tired of this one settlement where I've got Brahmin that just come into this this house that I built. I'm like, built a nice pen for you. Get the hell out of the house. There's no need for you to be here. And then I realize I'm yelling at computer cows, um, and <laughs> I, I realize how wrong that is. <sighs> Speaking of wrong, <laughs> Weird World Weekly. That's another show that we've got. Now, it's actually a very good show, and I do listen to it uh, every week. And it's uh, it's a show where Dave and Matt, they talk about either conspiracies or cryptozoological things or urban legends or ghost stories. And um, it's a shorter shorter program, 15 to at most... 25 minutes, and they present something like the uh, Dyatlov Pass, or uh, what was something they had, they had a thing about Bigfoot. They've had um, some uh, urban legends from Sheboygan and Milwaukee area. They they cover these things just randomly. They they'll pick a particular category and just roll with it. And uh, it's a it's a great weekly show that you can check out at gncasts.com. And that show, again, is Weird World Weekly. Now, the Kickstarter Spotlight. Uh, you know, I've, I was working on getting Tom Butler, uh, who uh, created the Pirate Republic game that we talked about last time. And it looks like Tom is uh, going to be actually pulling this and redoing the Kickstarter and uh, is going to reboot it. So, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately for for Tom and the <clears throat> and the Greenfeet team, uh, they're going to just postpone this, rework some things, and and present it again. Uh, right now, they're with twelve. 12 days to go, they were at 16,705 out of the 39,997 that they need to complete. So, uh, like I said, they're going to kind of retool that and uh, make another run at it. Now, uh, it's, it's a fascinating game, and it is historical pirates. It's set in 1713. And it's all about the uh, Caribbean area and, uh, and pirates running, running the uh, running the area and robbing uh, the the Spanish, the French, you name it. And uh, just a, a really great concept. And uh, you need to check out the video of gameplay. And it's a it's a shame that Tom is rebooting this, but it is going to be offered again. And I would highly recommend you uh, taking another run at it and uh, give, check it out when it comes back out and uh, and back it. It's really, really amazing. You should have one of the levels be you get a really nice hat. <laughs> if you're a pirate, you need a really nice hat. A nice tricorn hat. You can... Yeah. Oh, maybe a hook. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody comes by with an axe and gives you a peg leg. Then you, can, you could have... Yeah. Whole bunch of those. Eye patch. You got the eye patch level, the hook level, the peg leg, and then the hat would probably be the big one. There you go. Yeah. No, but uh, I, I wish the the Green Feet uh, team uh, success in their in their next run on that because that that game is is truly amazing and it needs to happen. Do you like scary movies? Did you answer yes to that question? Have you ever thought? Hmm. I'd really like to listen to two random strangers talk on the internet about some movies that I may or may not have watched at some point in my life. Sometimes they even bring guests on, which adds to a little bit of the banter. Sometimes we cover the news of the week. 
Sometimes we don't talk about the movie at all. Sometimes one of us gets a little bit drunk. It's just the way that we do things over at the Podcast of Terror, which is a production of Galactic Netcast, in case you weren't sure. If you're interested in this, please go ahead and head over to gncast.com slash pot. Subscribe and enjoy the crap out of it. Now, Glenn has brought to us his pick for the Kickstarter spotlight for this week, and what did you bring us? Massive Darkness! Wow, okay. Massive Darkness. Um, from Cool Mini or Not. So, that alone, anyone who ever follows Kickstarter will already know that this will be a successful Kickstarter, um, especially seeing they're looking for $200,000, and they're already at $1.2 million. Um, yeah, they massive, crushed it. Yeah, they've crushed it, and they still have 24 days to go. Um, so, Massive Darkness, it's a dungeon crawl board game with no game master. Um, those of you familiar with Zombicide, uh, I think kind of Zombicide, and I think it was described as Zombicide meets Diablo, the Diablo series sure. for computers. So um, it's just uh, it's one to six players. You get tons of minis, and because it's cool and you're not, they're really good-looking minis. They do really good yeah. sculpt work because you either have to be completely, completely uh, blind to the world around you or a really arrogant dick to call your company cool minis or not and not make cool minis. <laughs> yeah, and for those of you that are checking us out on YouTube, you, pff, these are amazing. <laughs> it's incredibly yeah. detailed. Uh, I mean, the barbarians got the rippling pectoral muscles and the bulging biceps and a, a, an amazing axe that he's carrying. Uh, the dwarf has got a, a frightening hammer. Um, yeah, th- these are amazing and very detailed miniatures that they've got for this. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it, and, and just for the fact that if you've seen any of their other games, you know they do quality work. And, I mean, their games generally have a hefty price tag, but they're worth it. The The amount of stuff you get in the box and the fact that there's really so much playability. You're getting 75 figures in here. So you get the six heroes, uh, six regular, sixty-three regular enemies, and then six large enemies, basically monsters. Oh wow! Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they have two pledge levels. Uh, one is already gone. That was the hundred and ten dollar early bird pledge. <laughs> so you can get it on this for a hundred and twenty dollars. Um, that gets you the core box plus the exclusive Cliffbreaker Cyclops. And all the stretch goals. And you're probably wondering, stretch goals? What stretch goals do they have? Well, you can probably guess they've broken some already, seeing as they are already six times their initial goal. Um, so they've added uh, an Orc Flayer boss and two minions. They've added a dice bag. They added a Dwarf Defender boss and two minions. They added a Werewolf. They added a Goblin Archer boss and four minions. They added a Miriam the Witch. Uh, they've added an Ogre Brute. They added an Orc Enforcer boss and two minions. They added a Goblin Warrior boss and four minions. They added the Cockatrix. They added a Dwarf Warrior boss and four minions. Zoe the Dwarf, an Ogre Rockbreaker, Azriel the High Elf, the Noble Warrior Class Sheet Pad, the Were Tiger, Mila the Barbarian, Flesh Golem, Six Pillars, eh, that one's less thrilling, um, Iron Golem, 15 level 1 chests, Chun-Ha the mummy, uh, Ajax the sorcerer, sorcerer class sheet pad, the living construct is still locked, but, I mean, they are... Actually, it shouldn't be. They haven't updated it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's currently the only stretch goals they have, so I think they might have to add more. <laughs> <laughs> so, 120 bucks, you're getting... 63, oh, sorry, 75 figures that came with it already, plus the Cyclops, plus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 22, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 30, 37 more minis on top of that, not counting the chests and pillars. I, I dare anybody to try to be able to 
purchase, even if it's the um, oh, who does the 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 the, uh, the bones series, the the, the yeah. plastic minis. Uh, you you uh, yeah thank you. Uh, even with the sets that they've done, um, uh, you spend uh, the, you're hard pressed to find a way to get that many minis for one hundred and twenty dollars. It's yeah, you're spending less than a dollar a figure. Oh yeah, and you get a whole game on top of it. Yeah, and you so, also get these some of the the mega sized. Uh, enemies like oh god, looking at I mean the 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 sculpt I mean the the scale of the Cliffbreaker Cyclops is at least um two and a half maybe three times as tall as a regular mini. It, it, it's it's ridiculous uh, how much you would have to pay for that if you were to buy that alone through some other company. Um, $120 for that many miniatures that you can also reuse for your D&D campaign. Sorry about that. D&D campaign or any fantasy system that you run. Uh, you have a high deal of reusability for other other games that you play. So, I... Wow. $120 bucks is a steal. It's a lot to pay up front, but it's... Uh, if you look at it, if you take the the big picture in there, 120 bucks is nothing. Yeah. So, and it's definitely a go. <laughs> like Glenn said, they've already <laughs> pulled in over a million dollars over their goal. So this is happening. And Cool Mini or Not has uh, put out other amazing sets uh, in the past, and uh, so you know you're going to get a good quality product that has been delivered and has gotten a, a good reputation for uh, delivery and uh, the quality of the merchandise. So mm -hmm. um, this is this is going to happen, and if you shell out that 120 bucks, you will not be sorry. All right. Now, Ryan, I'm yes. going to go, gonna go out on a limb here and say if you enjoy minis, are you a mini painter? I, I dabble in painting. Um, I dabble in painting minis. I uh, I've painted all of my characters for the Batman miniature game. Okay. And I used to paint a lot of Warhammer armies, but I've kind of backed off a lot. Sure. Well, Warhammer armies are usually uh, <laughs> one fairly expensive, and two, uh, there's there's a lot of uh, of figures to to make up an army. Uh, so it's a lot to paint. Yeah. Um, and if you're trying to do good detailed work on in <laughs> an army for Warhammer 40k, um, you're going to be spending a lot of hours uh, to make that happen. So a lot of time, yeah. a lot of time, labor of love. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, if you get minis this this gorgeous for uh, for Massive Darkness, and it, and they don't look like they're going to be painted. They're just going to be like the base no, they're, color they're, they're of the stuff plastic. That's never painted. Yeah. So that means if you are a miniature painter, that allows you the ability to uh, make the characters look how you want them to look through your through your paint skills. So. Oh well, I won't. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's an option that's available, and if you don't have the time yes. and, and don't have the interest, then you can no. just let it go, and that's fine too. I don't have any interest in painting at all. I despise painting, yet, what am I doing while we're talking? I'm painting. Yes, um, you are. Because that's what I do, is I, when I'm doing things I like, then I can I can stand painting because it's just a something for my hands to do while I talk. Because I cannot just sit and paint. I mean, God bless people who can. And if I had money, I would pay you people to paint everything for me. <laughs> and you would never have to work again, because I'd just be like... How would I just give you eighty grand a year uh, as a retainer, and when I need stuff painted, you can paint it, and I'll pay you for that as well? How's that I would, sound? I would take you up on that. I used to enjoy <laughs> just listening to music and painting. I I I would rather spend the time actually playing the games and painting. Fair um, enough. Or just sitting and not painting than painting. <laughs> I, I'm fairly certain that when I get to the age of retirement, uh, if I'm still able to use my hands, uh, I will be painting things. So, 
that and woodworking. I've planned my retirement. I'm going to paint miniatures and do woodworking. Well, and all of that said, <laughs> when I buy this game, because I will, um, I don't know for sure if I'll get it on the Kickstarter because I've got Gen Con coming up that I want to spend money on. And I did yeah. just spend $350 on board games uh, last week. That's I will paint this. I will paint this if when I get it. It'll, it'll get painted eventually. That's everything is it's the... It'll get painted eventually, and I'm finally starting to actually get to the point where I'm painting stuff faster than I'm accruing it now. Oh, nice. Because I've painted about 200 figures already this year. Wow, Which, uh, seeing as I painted like six last year, and <laughs> bought those 200 last year. So yep. um, I'm finally starting to actually catch up, because I'm buying a bit less of the minis. Of course, then this will come out, and it'll give me you know 100 more minis to paint, and then. But that's until next year. Yes, correct. April April of 2017, if I read that correctly. I believe that you did, sir. I did. So. So yeah, so I can hopefully have. God, stormtroopers. Imperial salt. <laughs> Imperial salt hasn't been painted yet. None of it. Yep, April 2017. So. There you go. That is our Kickstarter spotlight. Now, since we are on the topic of miniatures, we are going to bring the spotlight back to Ryan. And uh, Ryan, you, were the, one of the main things that we're going to be talking to you about is X-Wing. And for uh, people who don't know what X-Wing is, it is a... <clears throat> It is a minis game where you get, and oh, these ships are absolutely gorgeous, uh, but you Great. get the opportunity to uh, fly. Yes, they already come painted, and whoever does the paint job on them is, well, it's obviously not one person. But, My I hero. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the paint is, is absolutely gorgeous, and it, it looks like a ship. It doesn't look like a flat paint job or you know, sprayed garbage. It it looks it looks beautiful, and uh, there are so many different ships that they have available, and uh, they're always they're coming out with more. So so uh, many, so many ships. <laughs> yes, it's like uh, a Warhammer 40k type of investment if you wanted to get all the ships that they have available. You want to go tournament pro? You have to yep. have them all. Yep. yep. So, uh, and uh, I've had an opportunity to play uh, this in the past. Um, a friend of uh, Glenn and mine, uh, Rob Benton, he's got uh, a whole bunch of these <laughs> ships. So, um, he's, he's big into mini gaming too. So, uh, I have an had an opportunity to, to play X-Wing and it was really enjoyable. So, uh, go ahead. Oh, it's X-Wing is a lot of fun. It, if you've ever wanted to pilot a, a starfighter and be in that dogfight, there's, there's times where you're playing that game and just before you flip that dial, you, you get that little rush. Like, did I pick the right maneuver? Am I going to get them? And it, it's, it's pretty intense. It can get really intense. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like, it's like nerd poker um, because yeah. you get... Yeah, it totally you know, is. Your ship is, depending on the ship that you have, and for those who have not played, you can play, we're just going to throw basic examples out there. Uh, you could play uh, X-Wings X versus TIE Fighters. And each type of ship has different maneuverability. Um, you know, the, the X-Wing has a tighter turn radius. It can turn faster. Uh, it's a very maneuverable ship, but it's not, if I recall correctly, it takes it in the shorts and shielding. They're not as durable. The TIE Fighter, yeah. Yeah. The TIE Fighter. Oh, the TIE Fighter is. Okay. Um, and the X-Wings are more durable. They have shields, and they have more offensive capabilities. Okay. Yep. I'm Sorry, I got them backwards. Um, so as you are... Um, as you're playing the game, you need to be laying these movement tiles out or planning your moves and try to, you know, outmaneuver the other person <clears throat> and try to figure out which way they're going to turn or what their maneuver is going to be. So it's that trying to get into the head of the other person and trying to, you know, figure out how to how to maneuver and outmaneuver your opponent. So yeah. 
It, it's very chess-like. A lot of the um, top players in X-Wing are also chess players or were chess players at one point in their life. And it's you, you can you have to be a little calculating and you got to be a little scheming. You got to have some good gimmicks to get through. Sure. Or or they're what is he? Fourteen. How old is Nathan? Fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> fifteen. Or you're fifteen years old and you just show up and you beat everyone in your local gaming group every Thursday because <laughs> you're that good. Wow. Um, our gaming group is blessed to have uh, Nathan Idy in our group. Yeah. And, and so you get an opportunity to kind of learn and pick up, you know, some of the some of the techniques that he uses <clears throat> to uh, to to kind of bring up your game. That that's got to be a lot of oh, fun. Absolutely, it's one of those steel sharpened steel kind of things. Sure. Where you only get better when you play better people. And that's one of the nice things about the group that we've kind of built at um, Bayshore at Glen Store, where everybody it's very it's friendly. It's it is competitive, but it's competitive friendly. And we joke around and we kid with each other and we keep it light, but we're also pushing everybody to get better because sure. we're only going to be as better as everybody else that's playing. And we've got people in our group. We were talking uh, this past Thursday, like. Between Nate, myself, um, the Zach Matthews, there's there's a lot of titles, and then there's a lot of other guys that bring a lot of other titles um, from X Wing, from store championships to regional championships. You know, we bring it all into the room, and pushing each other and helping each other to get better, I think, is the foundation of our group. Now, when you're talking about the group, how do you go about building a community or a group? like the one that you're describing? Um, so when I was approached to start building a group at Bar at the Board Game Barrister, I sat down and I came up with kind of like a mission statement. What did I want this group to be? What, what was going to be a good investment of my time and everybody else in the group's time? And the, the mission statement I came up with vaguely was, you know, we're going to be competitive, friendly, and we're going to push each other and we're going to help each other get better. And we're going to do, when we're not being competitive, we're going to do stupid, fun, gimmicky games and goofy things to keep it light and keep people coming back. And that was, I, I've stuck to that. That was the plan, and I've tried to stick to it as hard as I could. And it sounds like it's paying off, so... It's um, paying off pretty good. We're, um, our, our low night attendance, I think, is about 12 people, and I think we're averaging between 12 and 20 people, and... I see wow. new faces every week. Every that Thursday night, I see new faces. Well, and it's pretty good. Part part of that too is also the fact that Jeremy and the veteran players are they're very very welcoming for for new players and for uh, less experienced players. I mean, you just did the the coin thing. Yeah, we just ran a so the X Wing tournament season. Fantasy Flight Games gives away some really cool stuff. Um, they this past year they did challenge coins for the top four at every store championship, and I was surprised at how hard getting one of those coins was for a lot of people. So I took any extra coins I had. Um, Jeremy took any extra coins he had. We put a call out. Um, Nate and his dad gave us all their extra coins, and Zach Matthews kicked in some extra coins and. We end up with eight extra coins, and I decided to have a tournament for everybody that didn't get a coin. And I had seven people show up this past Thursday, and everybody that wanted a coin got a coin. Um, there were some uh, younger players that had just started, and they were able to get coins, and they were able to win some games and have success. So it was it was really good. And what Glenn was talking about, um, the group's great in the fact that I can run demos and I can help new players, but there's only so much like a 10-15 minute demo is going to teach you about X-Wing. But when you sit down across from one of our veteran players, they're more than willing to help you, and they're more than willing to explain things to you, to slow down their game pace. If you know they're averaging 45 minutes to an hour a game, and then they'll sit down with the new player and they'll take two hours just to make sure that they understood everything that happened and everything that they were doing. And oh, I think cool. it speaks volumes to what the group 
really has become. That's wonderful. That's a great success story. And, <clears throat> you know, it's one of those... It's like the idealized group. I mean, that's that's what you want to have, and you've you've managed to build that. How you obviously put forward a clear vision as to what you wanted the group to be, as you mentioned before. How how difficult or easy is it to to maintain a group and keep it strong like like that? I think I'm lucky that it's X-wing is Star Wars themed, and I think that's a big draw for a lot of people. And I think in the tabletop gaming world, it's getting a lot of attention right now. Um, there's a lot of people buying into it with between the new movies, um, the Star Wars Rebels TV show, just everything Star Wars now for geek culture. And I think a lot of people want to get on board. And I see, even like when I'm walking through the mall and I walk, I stop in the store just to check out what's there, I see people looking at X-Wing. I'm at uh, Barnes & Noble or wherever, I'll see people looking at X-Wing. Um, and I think a lot of the draw for that is the ships and what it is. So it makes it easy to maintain bodies in the group. But keeping the quality up is one of those, that's a little bit more difficult, and that's a leap by example. And there have been, there's been a few times where I've had to, like, you know, call somebody aside and say, hey, you know, that's not what we're about. Like, this is what we're about. We're about a friendly environment. We're about helping everybody get better. better. And... You know, I understand we lose. We all lose. We all get upset. We all get frustrated. We all get burned out. Um, you know, I, I can relate to a story I told Thursday night. Like, I've, I've been in a slump for, I don't know, two, three months now. And it's been, I think I lost something like 10 straight games of X-Wing mm. um, before I kind of started turning it around just a little bit. But, you know, you, you kind of bring everybody back to, back to ground level and say, you know, this is what we're going for. And I, I feel like the parent maybe of the group at times um, sure. but you know you gotta rein everybody in you know it's a game people get heated they get excited they want to win and you just gotta remind everybody you know it is just a game you are just you know spinning cardboard dials and rolling eight sided dice but it's X-Wing's a lot easier to maintain than some of the other games but at the same time maintaining the culture maintaining what we want in our players, what we want our group, and I keep telling the guys, when you go out and you play at other stores and tournaments and in, like the tournament season, you're an ambassador for our group. You represent what our group is, and it's important to play fairly, to be respectful, be respectful of the store, be respectful of the people that are watching, you know, show people what we do, and maybe they'll start coming to our events too. Sure. Uh, for, for folks that were interested in creating a group such as yours, what are, as advice, what are some of the biggest hurdles that you ran into in in creating this group and making it as good as it is? When I started this group three years ago now, um, I started in the summer, and I spent a lot of time sitting at a table, demo table with some ships out, and no, and like the crickets chirping. There, there was no interest, nobody showing up, and I just stuck with it, and just stuck with it, and stuck with it, and eventually what I did was, I think it was Glenn Kahn at Barristers, I ran, I ran a scenario, I have a, I have a uh, Death Star trench map, so I brought that, and we did a trench run scenario, and I, that was the first real, like, hey, there are people interested in this, I can get some people in the store. And we had a lot of people, they came, they played, we had a really good time, there were a lot of jokes. And then that following Thursday, four or five guys from that from that trench run were at the store. And then slowly it was like, then we had seven guys, then we had eight guys, then we had nine guys, and it just kind of started growing. And we've had nights where there is no table space because we have so many people playing X-Wing. And that's great. That's fantastic to see that many people playing a game that, I love to play, that I get excited to play. Um, it gives you the warm fuzzies inside. Sure. It, um, helps with, it helps with demos, too, when the guy running them shows up in his flight suit. It does. <laughs> it does help. <laughs> Dress the part. Nice. Very nice. Um, if somebody were putting a group like this together... We talked about the hurdles. What are some things that you have run into 
that were mistakes that you would advise people and uh, on how to avoid them? Um, you, you have to take into account what other people want. I think that there there have been a lot of times where I've pushed the group into something that I wanted it to be, and I didn't necessarily take into account what others wanted. And part of it, I think, was the competitiveness of X, that X-Men can be. Um, Fantasy Flight puts out a lot of really cool things for their competitive play, and everybody wants them. So people play really cutthroat when those things are on the line. And having to having people remind me every once in a while in the beginning that, hey, we can step back, we can do some goofy, fun things. And it brought me back to that mission statement. It was like, hey, we're not being competitive. We need some goofy, fun things. And it brought me back to that. And I, there's, there were times in the beginning where I missed what my player, what the people of the group really wanted. And we kind of got going with that. And then I, I took some input and to kind of patch things up or bring things together, we started a story league where I made everybody that was in the league their own pilot and a ship they wanted to be in. And I made them their own personal card. And we flew those for about four weeks and just had a blast doing it. And everybody kind of got back to, got back to basics and it was good. It was really good. Very cool. Now, uh, when does your group meet and what time do you play? We meet um, at the Board Game Barristers in Bayshore in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we meet Thursday nights starting, I call it a soft five. Um, sometimes we have people showing up at 3 o'clock to start playing. Um, now that it's the summer, some of us are there at 10 a.m. playing games already. <laughs> sure. Um, some of us that have a, a lighter schedule in the summer. Um, and then also the, green, the Greenfield location runs... Wednesday night Star Wars events, and they have X-Wing and Armada and Imperial Assault, and then they also run Saturday events starting at 1. And I'm going to shamelessly plug that this coming Saturday, June 18th, we're doing Learn to Plays at the Greenfield store. And we'll be running demos, and there will be a fun little challenge for new players, and I think we have a little tournament scheduled for people to partner up and play some games. So. Right. Well, I want to thank the you. Oh. Luke, I am your Father's Day event. <laughs> when is Father's Day anyway? One week. It is next week. Okay. It's terrible. I'm a father. I have no idea when Father's Day is. It's not your job to know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, did we? We lost Ryan. Uh oh. Well. What did, they, what did they do? I don't think he did anything. I think his connection may have dropped off. There we go. Hey, Ryan. There you go. Hey, just lost you guys. Yeah, I, we started chit-chatting a little bit, and I, I turned and I looked, and you weren't uh, you weren't on the list of folks. I'm like, oh, God, we lost Ryan. Okay, I'm glad you were able to come back. <clears throat> no, we were just talking about uh, uh, that the 18th is Father's Day, and I, I had no – I can't remember when Father's Day is. <laughs> and I said, being a father, you'd think I'd know. And Glenn just said, basically, it's not your job to know; it's other people. So, yeah. <clears throat> to which I said, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Well, we are. Uh, I just wanted to. I wanted to thank you, Ryan, for coming and, and talking to us about about the X Wing Group and and kind of giving people a bit of insight to creating maybe not just an X Wing Group, but just a game group in general, where you can, um, you know, at your local game shop, put together a group of people who enjoy some of the same games that you do and create a nice friendly atmosphere for that group so that. Uh, Everybody has a good time, and uh, they they get to learn and hone uh, their their abilities for the games that they they enjoy. <clears throat> yeah, it's Absolutely. always always a good thing. Um, just uh, spreading the love for games in general, and then <laughs> building building a sense of community around it because that's really what games are all about. Yeah, like you that's said, exactly it's exactly what games are about. It, you know, yes, it's it's cool to be competitive, but it's not cool to be a dick about losing or being a dick about winning. It's 
being gracious and being a decent human being. <laughs> Um, and and enjoying something that uh, you and other people also enjoy and share that. So, yeah, and Ryan really touched on on one of the key things is that if you're trying to start something up, whether it's at a game store or wherever, patience is key. Um, at our store, we do minimum six weeks to figure out if there's interest, and that might mean that four or five weeks in a row you have no one showing up. But you got to stick it out because if you just do one and one or two and done, you haven't really given it a shot. No, you nope. gotta you gotta be prepared to spend some days where you're just staring at your own stuff and trying to flag anyone down who will you know listen to the crazy dude in the orange jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you because okay. not everything's gonna have the the automatic built-in appeal of you know hey that's an X-wing I know what that is. Yeah. What is this game? You know, if you're trying to sell something a little harder, you know, it's not everyone knows what an orc is. Like the same way they can spot a TIE fighter and go, I know what that is. Yeah. No, exactly. And, you know, that, that's not limited to games. I mean, that's that's something that's a life lesson. <laughs> Anything worth yeah, doing absolutely. is you got to stick to it. I mean, you know, looking at we're on our 51st episode and we've developed a, a, a definite strong viewership on, on YouTube and that's because we've put the time in and and uh, we've been working towards trying to make a really good show and weeding out certain things that weren't working and sticking with the things that do and, and taking that feedback and, you know, just keep working at it. I mean, that's that's life. <laughs> if you love it, you're going to work at it until you've, you, you've honed it into into something that's uh, wonderful that uh, other people can enjoy as well. So, an important life lesson, once again, taught through games and gaming. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, you can keep on top of what Adventure Party is up to by following Galactic Netcasts on Twitter, by liking our Facebook page, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Uh, we also have accounts on some other social media platforms as well. Just search for Galactic Netcasts or click on corresponding logos on the top right of our main webpage, which you can find at gncasts.com. You can support all that Galactic Netcasts does by making a monthly recurring pledge at patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. Your $1, 3 or $5 every month uh, donation can help pay uh, for some of the operating costs such as web hosting and audio hosting. And the best part is at every level of giving, you will get a bonus bit of content that other listeners won't have access to. Again, if you want to contribute, you can go to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. For more on this podcast, including show notes, contact information, and more, go to gncasts.com slash adventure. Uh, you can also subscribe to this podcast by going to gncasts.com slash subscribe, or search for us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, which is kind of cool, or anywhere fine podcasts are offered. Once again, I want to thank you, Ryan, uh, for joining us and talking about X-Wing and uh, creating strong gaming communities. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your group? Um, Facebook. We're the Barrister Battalion. If you search for us and request to join, you'll get added, and you can find out whatever you need to know. We post events there when we're going to do learn-to-plays, when we're going to do goofy geeky things and when we're just when we're going places and organizing rides to travel to different events. Oh, that's cool. That is very cool. Cuz not everybody's got a vehicle or, you know, something happens and it's cool or that you got you're 15 and you got to ask the guy that runs your game group to take you everywhere he's going for a certain <laughs> season. Yep, exactly. And that's cool that you've got uh, got a team of people that uh, that you know, uh, can do that and are willing to do that and, uh, and uh, you know, help out their, their fellow gamer. That's awesome. And uh, I want to thank Glenn for once again uh, doing what he does, painting miniatures <laughs> and chatting with us and reviewing games. Uh, where can people find out more about you and uh, 
Mist Runner, and the B-Movie Bunker. Uh, you can find out more about me on Facebook, both with Mist Runner, the RPG, and Guy in the Bunker Productions and the B-Movie Bunker. Find me on YouTube, Guy in the Bunker Productions, or just follow me on Twitter, at Guy in a Bunker. Nice. Or come to the Board Game Barrister. Absolutely. If you're in the uh, Milwaukee region... And uh, you should definitely check out uh, both locations of the Board Game Barrister. Especially mine. Especially Glenn's, because Glenn is uh, Glenn is extremely knowledgeable, as you can tell by if you've listened to the episodes of this show. Uh, he's very knowledgeable on games and uh, very personable. He will definitely take the time to uh, find out what games you like and make good recommendations. So uh, check him out. I want to thank everybody for joining us on the Adventure Party. May your characters never die and your adventures always be epic. Thank you and good night. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.